Bonjour, and welcome to the Armature Detective Club. This club is exactly how it sounds. A bunch of amateurs talking about their favorite mysteries. So if you encounter a real mystery or a murder, contact the proper authorities. Do not come to us. We do not know what we are doing. But enjoy the program. Allons-y. Let us begin. I now call this meeting of the Amateur Detective Club to order. Oh, my name? Oh, it's Tristan Miller, the saucy sleuth. I'm Melissa Maley, the spy. I'm Tyler Riley, Jennifer Lopez's missing Oscar, <laughs> because I don't remember my nickname. <laughs> Cop in a hell! Cop in a hell! Today's show brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash ADCpod and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It is that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash ADCpod. The recommendation I would make is the book on which this episode is based, Blue Train. We've listened to it before. We have. And I don't, did not remember the plot so it was great to revisit it um but who Fuevel Hugh Fraser reads it okay he does a very good job uh the recommendation I'm going to make okay uh is a book called uh Ratchetdemic uh by Christopher Emden Mm. uh Dr. Chris sorry Dr. Christopher Emden (laughs) the doctor Um, is important yes I observed a conversation that he had uh, with Anna DeVere Smith this week. Mm. It was a conversation hosted by Lincoln Center. Okay, you weren't just... And uh, this book is really about how young black people, especially uh, ur- young urban uh, black people in this country, like do have the autonomy, the autonomy to be like ratchet, loud, verbose, and also academic. Like, mm-hmm. they also know of what they speak. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, they're allowed to have both of those identities. And how do they come together? How do we make that more widely recognized? That people can, like, go out, have fun, be loud, be themselves, but also can hold conversations about, you know, the things that are going on in the world. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That sounds really important to to have that conversation yeah to hear about thanks for that yeah no problem it's also interesting of no matter i i feel as though no matter what part of the culture you know whatever culture you're a part of if you're loud enough people assume you're stupid which is always very frustrating yeah because i'm like no <laughs> even yeah, if you're really like, it's across all lines yeah even if you're like a professor that's loud they're still like hmm I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about this guy. Yeah. Um, I remember a story my mom told, and I'm going to kind of just give you a summary because I don't remember the details. But basically, mm. when my mom was a young uh, performer in New York, my mom was a singer, and she went to help someone lift a uh, lift a case up the stairs, like a big cello case or something like that. And... My mom was really friendly and bubbly and she said something that I guess the person perceived as stupid and 
this person very uh, condescendingly said to my mom, oh, a dancer. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, uh, first of all, assuming that my mom was stupid because she was friendly and uh, also assuming that all dancers are airheads, which was just a bizarre, like, people's perceptions. Uh, I completely understand it, though, because mildly intelligent, bitter people have nothing else to hold on to other than a sense of smug superiority. Because people who enjoy life get to be smart and also enjoy life. And that doesn't seem fair to them. And I'm like, too bad. Change your attitude. It's you I know. don't appreciate being called out like this. <laughs> Everyone has joy. And you just need to tap into it. Anyway. so Was that, was that Carol Channing? No, David Lynch. Okay. Everyone has access to this unified field, kingdom of heaven. Every it's been called many names. And okay. Sort of thing, yeah. I, all right. All right. That no, was my blessed. people have been to the unified field. <laughs> we will not go. Carol Channing, I think, is like if you take David Lynch and Bill there Cosby, you, you get Carol Channing. Wow, what a combo! And then you can slowly the It's the whole uh, nasal thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How many all times right. can I do my Bill Cosby on this program before people start getting annoyed at me? Uh, I won't. <laughs> I, I will, I'll say that. I can't speak for everybody, but I'm here for it. Because he's not getting paid for your impression. Like that he, is He's true. not making money off that of that. That is true. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I really would love a way to figure out how to just replace Bill Cosby in all episodes of The Cosby Show oh, sure. and the like. Mm-hmm. Like just with another actor, with me doing the Bill Cosby impression. Not quite that. But. <laughs> I can think of a few reasons that that shouldn't happen. I can't see any problem with. It. I think I've just suggested. <laughs> oh, sure, 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 sure. But like the cut, like it's so good. It's so, such a good show. It is. Is the problem yeah. that you could never believe me as a doctor? I don't seem smart enough to be a doctor. No, I, I just, I don't believe like. I just wouldn't believe that Felicia Rashad was staying with your shenanigans. Like, I just, I don't, I don't believe that. You know? (laughs) This Uh, is very true. uh, I think, I know we've talked about this endlessly. I think, like, the third person I was aware of, like, having a crush on was Lisa Bonet on that show. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm only, I'm only laughing because uh, I would talk about, who Tristan has a crush on uh, every week now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I'm i single and let, ready to imagine. Um, that's where I'm at. Uh, but well, yeah. I'm well and ready, willing and ready to tag team, you know, breaking up Lisa Bonet and Jason Momoa. Yeah, yeah. If you're ever down to. <laughs> that, they, are they a couple? Oh, I yeah. yeah. Oh, you How watch interviews? They have the most soft chaotic sexual energy i have ever seen in a couple and it is that's nice fantastic like she was at the premiere of like aquaman and they're just both like holding hands and like mumbling it's very interesting Mm. and like he's like that he's friends with her baby daddy like her ex-husband lenny kravitz like they're like best friends it's like how did you pull that off lisa it's so good yeah yeah (laughs) did you know that 
to me more this just made me think of people who are like still friends with their ex to me more and bruce willis like quarantined with their kids yeah even huh. though they're broken up i didn't know they were together in the first place that's a chaotic relationship yeah oh, well yeah. it didn't work they have a few <laughs> yeah. kids right like rumor i think is theirs as well as no Scout. it's true no room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a couple, two or three mm-hmm. that they have. Yeah. But yeah. I watched THX 1138, which is quite good, except for the digital things that George Lucas keeps adding to his movies. I don't know what that is. At it's all. George Lucas's first film. It's oh. a, a really low budget sci fi film from 1972. It's really good. Excellent. His first three movies were bangers. It was that, then American Graffiti, then the first Star Wars, and then. He got locked in doing the Star Wars thing, and he wasn't allowed to do anything else with his career. Which and then he stinks. ruined all of... No. He, I, like, I would self- really love to see George Lucas's take on chocolate. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. The chocolate... The George Lucas chocolate version. Um, Can you imagine? Oh, oh my God. Are you talking about the movie so with Johnny Depp? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> And uh, what is her name? Gosh, I can't think of the words for anything today. It's just one of those days. I broke Tristan. Yeah, I'm imagining CGIing a puppet into the situation. I'll say this: I think Johnny Depp would oh. be down. Johnny Depp has a bunch of like weird ideas too. Oh, I, I would be down for him to like be voicing the puppet. His mm-hmm. character is just replaced by, and it's Julia Binoche. Juliette okay. Binoche, thank you. Um, because like I hope I pronounced that right. That's how you pronounce it, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Johnny Depp, when he was pitching pirate, where he was building, you know, the character of Captain Jack Sparrow, pitched the idea that Jack had like part of his nose cut off and it was like rotten, and like he would have a prosthetic nose. And it was it Brockheimer was just like, no, we're not, <laughs> absolutely not. You idiot. It's very funny. He's full of weird ideas, that man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you want to talk about the episode or what? I guess. Oh, uh, yeah. We could. We can, yeah. I think we've wasted enough time. <laughs> well, actually, this has been pretty tame for us. Yeah. I know. Let's we not only... get ahead of Listen, ourselves. Listen, okay, I've been editing the podcast, and I cannot edit out 20 minutes every episode yeah. anymore. Well, uh, I think by like one fourteen, we'll have gotten into the first five minutes. Yeah, probably. Uh, Sounds about right. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Uh, we open on a on an ocean, ocean waves, as the title credits come up. It's very pretty. We're talking about the blue train, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I uh, mentioned the mystery the of the blue train. The the mystery of the blue train. Uh, Agatha Christie is Poirot, season 10, episode one. Train, train, train. And was there not a cold open? Am I misremembering? There was a cold open. And okay. there was a man who was, seemed to uh, beat to death another man. Yeah, because he asked for a light and then they beat oh, the yeah. hell out of him. And I'm like, you could have just said no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't that deep. But then we get like a weird close-up on the man's face, but it's still hard to tell who it is. 
At least I thought so. Yeah. Like, I was like, do we see this man again? I still don't know if we do in the episode. It's, yeah, it's a little, I'm sure that someone knows exactly what this is and we just didn't put it together. Yeah. But yeah. the cold open, Tristan couldn't remember, it looks like. And probably because it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the rest of the episode. Yeah, tweet at us, explain. <laughs> Comment on the post, please. Yes. Our Set friend Melissa, the listener, I am counting on you. Yeah, please. <laughs> Melissa Silvestri, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Love, love speaking with you. Um, <laughs> yes. That sounded sarcastic, but it was genuine. No, I'm just yeah. confused. You know I that. like it when people cool interact with us. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know that uh, she and I know each other. Yeah. I think oh, I, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed, we do. <laughs> too many Melissa's. Not because I there's know. too many of you, but there's like, I know so many Melissa's and I get confused. <laughs> I know. I know. I have uh, two friends who um, are also named Melissa, but they both go by nicknames. And it's very nice mm. because there's no confusion. Uh, one is Missy and one often goes by uh, a nickname for her last name. Uh, so we call her Far. Is that? Oh, Far. Yes. Yeah. Um, is it she the is right Missy? Missy? really with? Is Missy, like, is that derived from Melissa? Is that what, okay. Melissa Elliot. <laughs> I, I don't know if it, if Missy Elliot is, <laughs> I, in fact, I'm relatively confident that it's not uh, in her case, but. No, uh, I actually think it is, though. Let me take oh, really? a look here. I believe it's, Missy yeah. Elliot, American Melissa Elliot. Melissa Misdemeanor. Melissa Arnett Elliot. Is oh. it? Yeah. Oh. Melissa Elliott. That's dope. <laughs> Big I, fan. I don't know why. I, I just am so used to hearing her called Missy that I mm-hmm. didn't even I didn't even realize. And usually I'm pretty up on who is named Melissa. I pay attention. <laughs> uh, but my mom didn't like the, the nickname Missy. Uh, a couple people have mm-hmm. had tried to call me Missy and my mom was like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Please do not. <laughs> so. Like, I always stopped. thought that was kind of like a cute, like, attitude thing that will, like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Which young Missy. problematic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But cute. Sure. <laughs> As so yeah. many cute things are. <laughs> like, look a little Missy here bossing everybody around. Oh, like, yeah. No, that's probably not the best uh, way to... Right, yeah. ...shape and a I- child's view of themselves. <laughs> yeah. Um... But I think that might be why my mom didn't like it because that made her it made her think that too. Um, but I don't know. So so we get the opening credits, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and and then we meet uh, a very very bubbly couple of ladies, very energetic ladies, I should say, um, who are uh, what turns out to be La Villa Marguerite. Yes, ah, yeah. Uh, one of whom is played by Alice Eve. Who was in one of the Star Treks, mm-hmm. one of the J.J. Abram? Yeah, boy yeah. was she. She was very much in that movie. Yes, and uh, Rich immediately recognized her, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What? She's great." Um, I guess I gotta watch this movie. I have she no just idea like there's means. a gratuitous <laughs> her wearing bras and just nothing but her underwear scene in that movie. Oh, so a lady in the space movie. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just, not because women shouldn't be in space movies and just men making women wear yeah. revealing clothing in space is mm. where I'm going with that. Yes. Again, talking about George <laughs> Lucas briefly. Absolutely. Uh, so 
of the uh, upcoming Chocolat remake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Johnny, I'm going to need you to wear this uh, one piece. It's uh, <laughs> Then we're going to CGI uh, six breasts on your, on your chest. It's going to be an alien thing. Don't worry about it. No bras. No, no bras, bras in space. No, no bras in space. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh, Carrie Fisher. Rip um, to a real one. Um, yes, honestly. So yes, she is chatting with not Carrie Fisher. No, there. sadly, <laughs> sadly, Carrie Fisher is not in this movie. Poro, um, I don't understand this case at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh. I'm so upset that yeah. she's like not gonna be a Miss Lemon in any iteration. Aww. I think that would be so much fun. Yeah. Well, I've done your filing, and I'm just sick of it. <laughs> this alphabetical, not, your methods don't make any sense. Um, oh, so the yeah. best. Hastings, your horny back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that to a woman, Hastings. It's impolite. <laughs> and then she whaps him in the arm. <laughs> She, every visit she did for the Craig Ferguson show, she hit Craig in the arm at least twice, and I love it. I love, yes. God bless. So these two very vivacious, exuberant women are talking. Yes. And I don't remember what they say, so please. Both with very blonde, curly hair. Oh, I love it. Um, The mother, Marguerite, uh, has, is reading the paper and exclaims, and her dog. What? It's it's Margarita Phil. There you go. <laughs> there it is. It's Margarita Phil. <laughs> which is what we shall. Oh no! Are you okay? You good? You laugh so hard you cough. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, it's Margarita Phil. It is. Uh. Oh, escape two. Um. So she's reading the paper and she gets really excited and her daughter's like, what, what are you, what's going on? And she's yeah. like, uh, my cousin, my first cousin just became, you know, rich. And the daughter's kind of yep. like, uh-huh. That's good. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. why don't we invite her here for a week? And then she is like, uh-huh. And I suppose you want me to be friends with her and we're just going to like ask her for a check like on her way out the door, right? <laughs> and she's like, Pretty yes. much. Yeah. That's the plan. Because they are falling on hard money times. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you know that hard, that hard money. Yeah, that hard, hard money. money. It's Scrooge McDuck. Mm-hmm. Coins. It's just coins. Hard money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> None of this soft money. No euros here. <clears throat> so we get that bit of information. And then we... Uh, we see Poirot meet this father and daughter, these this American father and mm. daughter. And we got an actual American. We got Elliot yes, Gould. Yes, we did. We got so we Elliot We have at Gould. least one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We got an American. Yeah. Elliot Gould, who plays uh, Monica's dad on Friends. Oh, that's oh, a place yeah. I've seen him. Okay, yes. and Ross's. <laughs> yep. Yep. Stupid. <laughs> I don't know 
why when I saw him, I was like, oh, he's Monica's dad. I don't know why. I just completely was like <laughs> forgetting about Ross. Because everyone hates Ross these days. And like, I get it now, but I loved Ross. Like, I did too. From like a character perspective. Uh, yeah, he got. But like, I would never be his friend. Nor would I be any of the friends' friends. I mean, let's be honest. That's fair. I uh, might be Phoebe's friends with okay. Joey. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Uh, he seems fun. Phoebe's okay. I couldn't stand her growing up, but I've learned to appreciate yeah. her over the years. Um, I think Monica's and fun, but I like a an uptight chef conceptually. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I feel like she and I would just be rivals. Oh, yeah. It would start <laughs> off friendly mm-hmm. and then just turn. Yeah. Who can be yeah, more particular sense. is the contest. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, but yes, Elliot Gould, who is Jack Geller in Friends and has done a lot of other stuff as well. Yes. He was famous way before Friends happened. Yeah, he's, a, he's a famously a well-known per- person. Perfect. Yeah, he's been on everything. He Oh, he did an episode of Murder, She Wrote. That also makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, he was in Muppets Take Manhattan as he was. the cop in Pete's. A cab. I don't recognize him. I don't know him. I'm sorry to this man. <laughs> he also does the thing that I love so much. He goes, Mr. Poirot, every time. It's so good. And this goes back to my theory that the it's a directional thing. Because mm. he sounds like he's putting on a voice a bit. He always sounds like that. Honestly. Yeah, I was going to say, okay. like, he always just opens his mouth super wide and closes it real small. It's just a thing. Because <laughs> there's, like, Listen, a point, same. like, later on in the episode where he's just, like, looking at Poirot, like, Oh yeah, yeah. He does like, the what are you the blue doing? Like steel. the very cursed lips. Like cursed lips. I just realized like I was making the face, but nobody at home. It's could okay. See that, the face. Yeah. If you've seen Zoolander, imagine the blue steel look only on yeah. a 50, 60 year old man. Is Elliot Gold still with us? I believe so, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, he is. Uh he can yes. still hang. <laughs> yeah. I mean you just gotta ask these days. He's in his eighties. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, but um, yeah. and then we meet his daughter Ruth. Yes, we do. Uh, who who is played by a British accent? Her accent is not great, no. but her performance is, in my opinion. Uh, she, we'll get into yeah. it later. Yeah, but. no, yeah. Okay. Yes, I just uh, had to think is, about it. Yeah, the actress's name is Jamie Murray, uh, and her daughter, the daughter's name is Ruth Kettering. Um. And they invite Poirot to a dance because a dance, a ball. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's a birthday party. Her oh, birthday okay. is the next day. It's a birthday party in Gay Paris. Um, oh, yes, of course. That's right. And this is in Poirot France. does not want to go. But yeah. He... But Ruth is really charming and she is a huge fan of Poirot, apparently. Yeah. She says, I will kill myself if you don't come. <laughs> Which. Oh, the drama. <laughs> yeah. Which is not Poirot's uh, favorite. I don't, he really doesn't appreciate that kind of, it's like, and Rich is like, oh, she's going to die. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, I know that's how it goes, isn't it? He didn't think that uh, Poirot was going to show up to the party. Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> he just gets the news and he's like, oh, damn, I, I could have done something. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of it. Ep- da, 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 yep. Da, da, da. 
Um, then it's the party scene right after yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, and I wanted to make a note about mm-hmm. this. The cinematography in this scene is really great because, well, I guess also the editing too, because they cut a lot on. There's a bunch of people dancing, and they'll you know they'll cut on the movement of the dancers. They'll cover the screen and then cut to a close and then come back. It's really well orchestrated. But there's these two women, and they're gossiping about everybody at the party, right? That's how we get. <laughs> yeah, I love that convention setup. That it's, we didn't we didn't have to have like these boring like mm-hmm. re- not boring but like these really like on the nose conversations about people's lives. Yeah. yeah. It's similar to like Death on the Nile, where he's like, "Ooh, give me the hot goss about right. all these people." Yeah. But we learn that uh, Ruth is married to a man named Derek Kettering, and he's not great. No. He is like blowing smoke in her face as they're dancing and stuff, and it's very. And the dad does not like him. Elliot no. Gould is not a fan of Derek. He's at a ten constantly oh. about Derek. Yeah, he is. He's like, I don't like this man. Yeah. And Derek also ate him <laughs> in like an oddly specific way. Yeah. Very like, specific. Much like Adam Driver, there are things that just should not work, but just do in this particular configuration. Interesting. Um, yeah, he's got a brooding, melancholic demeanor. He's And these beady eyes, though. It's just like, what is this? He's got a cute this? nose. I get it. It's a very particular nose. Yeah. Um, and this... He's played by James Darcy, uh, young James Darcy. And I'm now clicking on his IMDb and recognizing him as someone. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But he was very young in this, it seems. Yeah. He does the coolest thing. Because there's a scene later on, but I just wanted to mention it now before I forgot. There's, he's smoking and someone asks him a question and he inhales and he does like the thing where you can curl the smoke up into your mouth he says a full line and then puts the smoke out of his nose and i'm like that is the dopest thing i've ever seen in my life it's like wait because like often you'll see these in period pieces and i'm like ah that that person has never actually smoked a cigarette in their life oh yeah and then you get someone like this it's like ah (laughs) i see he That's was, why I wanted to smoke as a child. Like never because like it ever like seemed cool, like healthy or like you know like it just seemed every villain uh-huh. <laughs> I watched growing up uh-huh. like always smoking and I always just surprise surprise connected with the villains. <laughs> mm, yes, also <laughs> because it just looked like fun. I I'm do I do this bit sometimes in my stand up of like everything about smoking rules except for the one thing and the one thing's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it like it makes your voice lower, you're relaxed and it looks cool. But there's the one thing that you might happen that's not guaranteed. And it's just such a ugh. I w- again, I wish I could go back to the 50s where they thought it was good for you. I was just going to say that he's. He was actually 30 in this. He really looked quite young in it, though. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But he Baby has face. been, yeah, he has, he was in Master and Commander, oh. The Far Side of the World. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was also in um, The Closer, which I, it was a show that I watched a lot. He was in Broadchurch. I hardly know her. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he was in Broadchurch, like, 
it seems like he was yeah. there. Yeah. I believe you. Yeah, he was. Rude church. Sure. Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> Homeland. Uh, he was in Endgame, Avengers Endgame, as Jarvis, mm-hmm. uh, the voice of Jarvis. Oh, interesting. Which is fascinating. Um, yeah. And uh, he was in Dunkirk as well. So, oh, so he's still trucking. That's good. good oh, for him. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the first time I've ever seen this man. Really? To my knowledge. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Oh, he also played Sherlock Holmes in something called Sherlock Holmes, which is very, you know. <laughs> and we'll never watch it. Nope, we won't. No. <laughs> we never will. So they're at this party. He is a philanderer. He owes people money. He's a drunk. This man. He gambles. Then, yeah. He's a notoriously bad card player. And then Ruth is having an affair with another man who has a mustache. Yeah. La Roche. What? La Roche. La Roche. Okay. And he seems, he keeps beating Derek at his own game, both, you know, marriage-wise and also card-wise. And it's a nice metaphor. Um, but he is, seems just like a blank person who's horny to me. Like, that's what I got from him. Yeah. They didn't give him too much to do. They didn't. Char- they did not flush out his character. No. They were like, you're going to make out and play cards. Oh and my that's gosh. your character. I forgot about there's a make out scene and it is like yeah, I was hot and it. heavy. And I got a little uncomfortable. I was like, woof. <laughs> Oh, I just felt uncomfortable. I did not find it hot at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it was like they a lot. That's what I'm oh, saying. Oh, oh, like, gotcha. It was gotcha. like, you could see the tongue out the ear sort of situation. That is too much. Yeah. So this man has no personality except for a mustache and yes. being horny. Essentially. And it's not the actor's fault. No, there are a few no. characters that we meet that just do not get fleshed out. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, so he's he is also a thing. Uh yeah. And after this party, we find out that uh, Jack Geller, <laughs> Elliot Gould, the dad, is go- is trying to bribe Derek into divorcing his daughter. Yeah, they have a great scene in a stairwell, and that's when the smoking bit happens. Yes. And he's like, no, thank you. I don't want your money. Mm-hmm. And he's I very rude Ruth's about it. I want money over time. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's when Ben Aldis, which is uh, Elliot Gould's character, yeah. six his uh, henchman, mm-hmm. uh, whose name is Knighton, on to Derek. And he like mm-hmm. goes and like grabs him in like this hold and like looks to like, seems like he's about to snap his neck. <laughs> and it looks like um, Ben Aldis like tells him like, no, let him go. And then there's a, a waiter that walks through. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I don't want to get into this. This seems yeah. tense. Yeah. There's another scene where uh, Elliot Gould is talking to Poirot and he says something like, um, why couldn't Ruth have married a dullard like you, White Knight? And yeah. then Poirot's like, eh, and he leaves. And he, he, Elliot Gould turns and he goes, I'm sorry, Knight. And I didn't mean to call you that. That was rude of me. He's like, yeah. I've been called worse things, mostly by you. Which is right. very good, very fun dialogue. I appreciated it. It was very um, Jeffrey and Uncle Phil in Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, we also learn at the party that 
uh, her dad has bought Ruth a very, very fancy jewel. Yes. What is it called? The Heart of Fire. The Heart of Fire. It's a ruby. Big, big old ruby. Uh, very valuable. Uh, sharper than a diamond, uh, redder than blood. That's right. Yes. And, um, and Ruth also has an attendant. Uh, another... Another one of the long list of Irish maids in this series um, who... Her name is Ada Mason. Yes, Ada Mason. All the names I recognized from the book. From the book, yeah. But I was like, I don't remember what they do. Um, More like Maida Mason, am I right? (laughs) Yes. Uh, So the thing is about the book was that there was like a lot of um, exposition that really, really, I think all of us were like, oof, this was hard to get into. Yes. Um, and we also, there is a woman at this party kind of off to herself, and Poirot goes up to her because she feels she clearly uh, feels very out of place. And Poirot goes up to her and uh, helps her with the wine that she has ordered. And it's like, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to be presumptuous. And she says, no, thank you. Uh, Like, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. That was helpful. And so they start chatting. She's like, I was a servant and now I have this money and it's confusing. Mm -hmm. And she's very sweet and very uh, nice to talk to, very intelligent. So Poirot thinks she's great. Yeah. And I don't think it's like of much consequence, but I believe this happens... It doesn't happen at the party. It happens either before or after. It's a very nice scene. Yeah. Because Poirot goes back to the... It's after the party. Poirot goes back to the hotel and he wants to be left alone. Yeah. Um, Because she's like, I need someone to look after me, basically, because I don't know what forks to use in these social settings. And he's like, well, I'll be your uncle, basically. And it's really sweet. And yes. And Poirot... David Suchet does a good good job with this because... It is not at all gross. Like it yeah, could, yeah. it could easily fall into it, but it's a very paternal uh, mm-hmm. type of vibe from him. Like he just cares about this person, and it's it's very sweet. It's really yeah. sweet. All of his reactions to her mm-hmm. are are really good. There's a lot of good reaction shots in this. Yeah. What is this actress's name that plays this character? Do you know? Uh, yeah, I will in a moment. Uh, uh, she is so also like she. They really cast really well. She's so sweet and like very. They both have such a warm energy. And again, it's one of these things of like when you get a two hander scene with David Suchet, it's always really nice when the the actor is like at his level, and it's just so good. Yeah, it's really well well-constructed scene and the the wine bit is also very good because the the Samoje pours it and she's like I don't know what to do yeah and he exactly. comes up and he helps her and it's just very very sweet and good yeah so her name is Georgina Rylance any relation to Mark I cannot tell uh but she her the cat uh, the character's name is Catherine Gray hmm. Georgina so. Rylance Yes, I am checking about her okay. trivia. Her father is John Rylance, who was a prominent barrister and judge in England. It does not appear that she is related to Mark Rylance. We get the return of Papa in this scene. Yeah, don't we? yeah, that's what we were talking about. But I, okay. I thought that the energy was very paternal. 
from him. I didn't. Really? Yeah. I mean, I knew it wasn't going to go yeah. anywhere, but like, hmm. I don't know, there was like a kind of like a glimmer. Like, I didn't think like he was like being like gross or creepy. Right. But I thought like it was like um, an air of flirtation. Interesting. An air. You oh, know, that's... not like him like coming on, but like, right. I would like joke, like passingly like flirt with you. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. But, okay, that's so interesting. Yeah, I didn't catch that. But For, it also could have been a vibe of, like, well, you know, I get that this isn't a thing, but if I were younger, maybe I would yeah, be more interested. Kind of, okay. Yeah. Huh, interesting. But in the scene, Papa Poirot is like, well, what are you doing next? And she's going, she says, I'm going on the blue train. He's like, oh, me too. Yeah, I she's will. going to visit her cousins. Mm-hmm. At Margaritaville. Mm-hmm. And so, he's going to be her Avalon. Yeah. Her Toyota Avalon. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, they, they strike it up. It's very charming, very sweet. Big fan. Yes. But what's what's the term proper? I'm jesting, but it's not Avalon. It's something with an A. Like, he is going to join her and, like, kind of teach her about, you know... Had to be around high class folk, mm-hmm. essentially. Oh yeah. And there's like a term that he uses, and I can't quite oh. remember it uh, at the moment. I don't recall. Henry okay. Higgins. Mm-hmm. He's gonna Henry Higgins. <laughs> yes. Uh, for her. But and she hopes to Eliza do little mm-hmm. on her vacation. <laughs> yes. She basically ends up serving as our Hastings in this episode, if Ooh. you will. Yeah. You know, she's like yeah. Poirot's advocate and. Uh, not in the lawyer sense, but in the sense of uh, they. He, she helps. She helps him uh, pick up some clues and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and she I, hits on all the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just I wish. Yeah. Um, I, growing up, was convinced that Doctor Doolittle and Eliza Doolittle were somehow related, which is not the case. Aren't they at though? All. <laughs> in, in I also, until the documentary on Netflix that came out, thought Audrey and Catherine Hepburn were mm. related as well. Yeah. They are. Oh not. yeah, it I, is not. Which is it, just a coincidence. Which is what I thought for a very long time as well. So you're not. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the Fondas and Barrymores done got my mind <laughs> all the way messed up. Exactly. Yeah. Them, the Baldwins, the Wayans, like just. Stop have, have, having relatives in this industry, please. <laughs> but how else will we get a job, Tyler? How else will we get a job? So we all get on the train. Everybody's on the train. Literally everyone we've ever met is on this train. Yeah. I just remembered someone who all right. see at the party and is also... No, oh, yes. never mind. Yes. We don't. We yes, don't. no, we see her at the party. If we, do we? Okay. Yeah, she's yes. sitting alone at a table smoking yes. a cigarette. This yes, very we do. mysterious woman. And she's yeah. also on the train, and we don't know anything about her at this point. Yes. Very mysterious woman. Yes. Ooh. Who is this mysterious woman? We shall learn. Mm-hmm. So everybody gets on the train, except for Elliot Gould. Yeah. Um, Rufus. Is, yeah. And um, Knighton, right? Yeah, they they aren't both of them. Knighton, they have a conversation where Elliot Gould's like, "Well, I hate everything that's happening with my daughter, uh, but I'm gonna go to bed. I'm exhausted, but you can go ahead and stay up if you want. Goodbye, good night. Thank you very much, Knighton. Goodbye." 
We do learn that Ruth is going on the train with her uh, big Ruby. La Roche. Yeah. And she oh, lies. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, she lies to her um, dad. Her dad about bringing it. She's yeah. like, of course I'm not going to bring it. I, You've taught me better than that. And she's like, he's like, that's great. And then she tells Asa, her maid, uh, hey, uh, definitely pack the ruby. Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. It's like, okie doke. Yes, ma'am. Yes. And she's, Ruth is with Mustache Man and Derek. Like, they're all together. And it's very uncomfortable. Why would you do this? I don't think that she knew that it's, Derek was going to be on yeah, the train. Yeah, Derek was not supposed to be there. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah uh, she, she doesn't realize, yeah, until the platform. And she's like, oh, brother. Yeah. <laughs> right, because they all share a very heated exchange, like, the looks. They're like, ooh, why are you here? Ooh, why are you here? And Yes. Mm. And Poirot's looking out the window going, hmm. So Poirot is off doing something, like, getting dressed or, I don't know doing Poirot stuff. Um, and Catherine Gray is waiting for him in the dining car. And she is accosted verbally by her, not, not in an aggressive way, but I mean, in an mm-hmm. aggressive way, but in a, an aggressively friendly way by her cousin, uh, who is uh, Lady Tamplin, by the way, played by Lindsay Duncan. Don't mind if I do. Yeah. What's my name? Dunkin' Cheeto. There's another moment that I quickly, well, now that I've interrupted the podcast. Great. There's another small thing that uh, in the episode uh, that Poirot says, he says, I do not like odd numbers. I, the even one. I'm like, my man knows. Oh, yeah, on. that's right. <laughs> odd numbers are evil and not no, of God. Don't. Like three scenes later, we see him eating six, uh, nine pieces of toast. Odd number. Mm. Back to the drawing board, Farah. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it's not 12? It is nine. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, what? which is it, Poirot? Which yeah. is it? <laughs> um, so. I... Nine pieces of toast? I knew it was you. <laughs> <laughs> Dunkachino. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Duncan. Has wow. uh has been in a, an episode of Doctor Who, surprising no one. Um oh, she yes. she played the Duchess of York in uh the Hollow Crown. Uh she's yeah. been in Merlin. Oh um, god, yeah, she did. Yeah, she's she's everywhere. I I knew I recognized her. She was in uh Sherlock. Um Yes, late, she is. Yeah. And uh, which we have, which many of us have watched, but we'll never talk about. Um, no. <laughs> never. Not once. She was also in Tristan, mm-hmm. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh, who's she in that? TC-14. Oh, my God. That's so good. I stay winning. <laughs> um, <gasps> she is the robot. She's the robot mm-hmm. butler that takes them to the conference where they are set up to oh. die. Yeah, she's doing the voice. That's very fun. Maybe yes. even in the costume. I don't know. Um, so it's very fun. So yes. So Lindsay Duncan, uh, Lady Tamplin, and Alice Eve, who is Lennox, uh, the daughter, um, are like, "Oh my gosh, we decided to surprise you on the train, Catherine yeah. Gray, our cousin, who's going to give and, us money later, hopefully." Uh, and she has a very young husband as well. 
Oh yeah, Lindsay Duncan. Lydia Hamlin. Yeah. yeah, her her young husband, whose name is Corky, and Give is, uh, is the kind of the kind of guy who always kind of seems like he's the quarterback of the football team in high school. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I don't know about y'all, but was serving up some major BDE to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, as we've covered before on the podcast, Tyler, you love him. You love a himbo. I do. And I've discovered that more and more. <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, that's fair. That is that's him. That I wouldn't feel him. guilty about it. A lot of a lot of people are into bimbos, too. So, like, you know, it's fine. But I like a smart lady. Yeah, that's fine, too. Like, don't judge yourself too harshly. Yeah. I can't imagine why you would want to hang around an intelligent man. That sounds oh, so insufferable. God, that is... That's my type in men. Mm. <laughs> or anyone, really. Which is why you'll never date me. Yep. Yeah, I'm too stupid. I'm That's too the dumb. reason. Mm-hmm. And now I'm wondering, damn, Melissa Howell? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean... How do you really feel? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Rich who is famously and uh outwardly uh proud of his intelligence. It's like, mm. yep, that's gosh. <laughs> Good gracious, about- that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I've talked about this before. I what I wouldn't give to just be hot and, and unintelligent and yeah. people like me because of it. Mm-hmm. I'm slowly waking waking my way downtown to that area of just being dumber and dumber because I no longer care. But Walking like, fast, I hope. <laughs> yep. Make my way downtown. Walking <laughs> fast. We can't do any more than that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's right. all we got. They'll come for us. Yeah. They will. <laughs> um, but I'll say that the reason I say that is there's a certain kind of insufferable, intelligent man that I have interacted a lot with. And I, I truly wish for them to perish. I, I cannot stand an uppity, smug, going back again, like ill-tempered person oh. who begrudges joy in other people and sees joy as a sign of unintelligence. And again, literally me. Not at all. You have something to criticize. <laughs> Not at all. Because I don't think you're smart. <laughs> Whoa. <sighs> Yikes. I kid. <laughs> Tyler's, Tyler's left the chat, left, cha- left the entire. Z- How isn't he hosting it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joshing with you. That I'm was just Drake and joshing with you. Oh, I have my thing set so that uh, if you're if you don't have video on, I don't show you. So it looked like you just completely exited. Oh, that's the Zoom very off. funny. <laughs> uh, no. Um, oh, Drake Bell, what a disappointment. But we'll come back to that another time. Yeah, we don't have time <laughs> for the legacy of Drakus Bell. Yeah. So Catherine tells her cousins that she is in compartment seven. They're very excited to see her. And uh, then we have Ruth yeah. Kettering come up and say, hey, is this seat taken? Are you waiting for someone? She's like, yes. And then I. Uh, she says, great, well, when he comes back, you can tell him, uh, you can tell me to get up and leave. Mm-hmm. And sit, promptly sits down and starts chatting with her and asks if they can switch compartments because Ruth is eager to be closer to her beau, not her mm-hmm. husband, Ops. Um, and so 
she wants to, they just want to trade compartments and Catherine's like all right I guess so that's fine so they trade compartments um and don't really tell anybody about it yeah um and then Poirot shows up yes and says they have a conversation right and that's basically it yeah like hello like this innocuous innocuous it's like oh yeah innocuous uh, yeah, Thank it's you. like, oh, hello, Ruth. I, I have met you before. Yes, yes. Yeah. I have. I remember meeting you as well. Great. I'm a big fan of Poirot, as we have established previously. <laughs> big fan. Uh, now we know that each other are here. Cool. Yes. Um, so we see um, our mysterious woman uh, mm. from the party is also on the train. And she goes to try and flirt with Derek Kettering. Um, she says it's the it's, it's the best opening line like you can say it but uh, like it's such a great introductory line um will you ignite me she doesn't say will you she just, just says ignite, ignite me, me. Oh, it's yeah. so funny and i was like <laughs> oh she has a cigarette that she wants yeah, lit which is yeah by the by yeah yeah not just set me on fire <laughs> oh well i was reaching for my lighter yeah, yeah. lighter <laughs> exactly we do hardly know her though we know her as grams from detective pikachu oh. we do a lot josette. of familiar faces in this episode yes josette simon samuel wonderful yeah and so she's trying to flirt with derek and derek's like i got a wife lady and he's talking with uh mustache what is his name laroche 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 if it's not laroche don't fix it um correct he's talking with laroche right before this happens about something and they seem to be having some sort of tiff and one assumes that it's to do with the fact that laroche is stooping his wife you know yeah yeah uh so at a point the men all of the young men go off and play poker for a very long time. Have lots of arguments. Mm-hmm. Poker. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going near that one. Oh, they know her. <laughs> <laughs> and Biblical. as per usual, uh, Derek is losing very badly. He's just so bad at it. He's so bad at cards. Just, you know, do something else, you know. Yeah, like uh, learn cribbage, mm. you know? Like there are plenty cribbage of other things slaps. to do. So yeah, hard. like get a new hobby. Clearly, this isn't working for you. And so we're in the cabin of our compartment of Ruth Kettering's. Yes. N- new dwellings? Yes, they've moved. Yes. We see like uh, poor Ada. <laughs> I say poor Ada Mason. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's Schlep. switching out the compartments between uh, Ruth and uh, Catherine. Yes. Uh, once she gets settled, uh, it's Mason and Ruth in her room, and Derek comes in. Yes. And is asking for money. Yeah. Yeah. And she throws at what looks like stocks and bonds at him. <laughs> Very large pe- pieces of paper. It- did remind me of Die Hard. Um, she got big money. <laughs> that big money, yeah. No whammies. <laughs> yes. 
So, uh... Also, sorry, I know we have to get back on track, but, like, a really quick anecdote. Um, I was somehow found, like, this YouTube clip of the late Tina Marie talking about the late Aretha Franklin. Uh, Tina Marie had passed before Aretha, uh, sadly and tragically. But she tells this story about how she went to go see Aretha in concert in, like, the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. And how Aretha Franklin still gets paid in cash. Phenomenal. <laughs> you yes. love to see it. And like how gangsta Aretha Franklin was like till the end. I where mean, like she posed great. for a photo with Tina Marie and her daughter and had like a stack of $5,000 like on her daughter's shoulder for this photograph. Oh, if I could, I would. That's so funny. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Oh my gosh. Want that money in cash. Love yeah. it. So he, they have an argument as well. And she's like accuses him of just feeding on her like a a cow. You know, why would he take a divorce settlement when she has all this money that he can keep pressuring her to give him? Yeah. Which I mean, like, I get it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's right. But like, yeah, he ain't wrong. Yeah, there's a certain (laughs) logic to it. Um, So they do uh, in this evening have a stopover in Marseille, French Marseille. Somewhere there's like a st- oh, Marseille, however you wish. Yes, they they have a they have a stopover. Like the the train stops at a certain point because it takes ages to get around Paris. Yeah, right. Because uh, going through the sur- suburbs, they have to like go very slowly as yeah. to not to disturb people. And Poirot is like, Ugh. yeah. Can we just keep moving? Uh, <laughs> so in the night, we hear. It, Poirot is in bed and he is disturbed and uh, there's a whole commotion and as it turns out uh, someone is saying how Catherine Gray Catherine Gray oh no Catherine Gray yes and so Poirot rushes onto the train very 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 concerned and pretty quickly sees Catherine appear and he's very relieved. And then he's like, wait, oh, compartment seven. Yes. And so and... they go into compartment seven and the woman in compartment seven has been very brutally beaten um, so that you can't see her face. It appears that um, there is a smashed champagne bottle and a, a the ruby has been stolen. Yes. Right. So now everyone has presumed that because Ruth had taken that compartment, that she is the victim of the crime. And so they pull over. They stop, obviously. And um, the investigator for this, Melissa, I'm sure you recognized him. I do. I did recognize him, but I'm not Barty sure. Barty Crouch Sr. Barty Crouch Sr. Okay. But more importantly, unfortunately, he's passed away. Very great actor. Um yeah. More importantly, he plays a phenomenal hayseed character in Vicar of Dibley with Don French. Phenomenal show. And he plays this guy, you know, he's very country. He's very funny in that series. Did you know that she's was married to Lenny Henry? I don't know who Lenny Henry is. The lead actor? Oh. I'm sorry. You should. Okay. That's another time. I'll take a Google. 
But yeah, he's very good in this. But um, he rounds everybody up and starts interrogating them. And then also Elliot Gould is inexplicably there. And he sees the body. And I it's upsetting because his line delivery, he sees the body and he goes, Ruth! And he just hits that TH so hard. Yeah. And his voice is already what his voice is. And it did make me laugh, unfortunately. So he has flown to, they're in Nice now. Nice. And he Not has, nephew. yes, uh, he has, he had flown there and he is saying that he was going to surprise his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are all, they're like in a train station lobby. It's very echoey and it's, yeah. it's really, really uh, fascinating for the interrogations. Mm-hmm. And we're going through all of the motives. And of course we get into the whole, um, that we have the love triangle between Derek and LaRoche. Um, and we... we're getting interrogated at the same time and start yelling at each other. Yeah. It's really bizarre. And also the dad is there for like every interrogation, which is a terrible way to do anything. Yeah, And he storms off at one point. Yeah. Um, we have the interrogation with the maid and she says, and she had gotten off the train. She's talking mm. about how she got off the train a stop earlier because Ruth was like, Hey, I've got this all under control. Like, but she had seen Derek, um, mm. and her, and her have the fight. Yes. And she was sent away and Knighton vouches for her because, uh, he saw her at the same hotel they were staying out for at the party. Right. But she makes it clear to them that she doesn't believe that it was Kettering who had done it because she overheard a conversation uh, in French mm. between Ruth and a gentleman and yes. knows that Kettering does not know French. Correct. And then Poirot investigates the mysterious lady um, and she just does not want to be- speak. She's like, I don't know any of these people. And he's, right. she's like, that's it? And she's like, that's it. And he's like, okay. Mm, it seems incorrect. Um, but all right, we'll go with that for now. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So we, at some point, we talk to the cousins, right? Or. Well, what happens is Poirot is hanging out with the cousins because he's going with. Catherine. Uh, Catherine to margaritaville yes and um the and and corgi says corky rather says like romano Hmm? Mm. romano yeah (laughs) (laughs) so he says something you know like well at least it wasn't this stop and poirot was like oh no it was at this stop and he's like well you were out of the train at that stop right Right. he's like oh oh, no and poirot's like i don't think it was you and he goes, for yeah. now. And like, <laughs> right. But then they go and they have a, they, they waste away in Margaritaville because there's a big party. They do. Yeah. The- uh, real quick, Corky, uh, LaRoche, and Derek were all playing cards yes. until yes. very early in the morning. And they Correct. basically all vouch for each other. Yes. Um. And it, this party back in present um, is just has the worst wine, apparently. And everyone hates it, but they're making them drink it, which um, is like another indicator that like, yeah, not doing well financially. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a funny bit where Poirot 
uh, is given a glass. And also they like fully make out in front of like on top of him. And it's very awkward while they're drinking this bad wine. And he's like trying to figure out how to get rid of this wine. And you see at one point he almost like goes to pour it off the side of the building. Yeah. And then, but he's like, doesn't want to be caught. And then someone comes back in and he's like, Oh yeah. Um, what is the, um, daughter's name? Lennox. Lennox. Lennox comes and takes it away from him, which he's like, Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, and then he also examines a poster in the in Margaritaville. Yes. About jewel thieves. Um, yeah. That had yeah. happened at Margaritaville years and years ago. Lady Templin mm-hmm. uh, has all these old newspaper clippings from when like she was of like real prominent society. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, and it, she and her husband uh, at a point in this are having like a sexy times. And uh, he <laughs> uh, he gives her an an aniv- a third anniversary present. Yes, and he pretends he's forgotten, and then of course he has something for her. Right, and he's like, "I have it in my pocket," and she like goes <laughs> digging in his pocket, really and, hard in his pocket. Uh-huh. I'm glad we saw Poirot from the waist up. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Poirot like sees full on watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's wild. And he's snooping, and then once she uh, opens the package, as it were, uh, he, she's facing the opposite direction, so Poirot doesn't know what she's been given. Yeah, it isn't until later when <laughs> he is in the room and notices. Uh, that little package and looks and sees what it is yes and also during the party as well um she's invited all of the the murder suspects essentially yeah for the drama of it all we love having murder suspects over for dinner it's just the best time (laughs) the most rousing parties are the murder suspect parties 100 percent and I'd like to give it a try. Yeah, and sure. Elliot Gould is also there, and the mysterious woman goes, and doesn't she clock him in the face? She does. Yeah. She just full on punches him in the nose, and she goes, I can't believe you made me do this. And he goes, Nice to see you. <laughs> it's very yeah. funny. No, I can't believe you didn't tell me. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Me. That's what she says. And uh, when she makes the entrance, Poirot is like, All right, it's showtime. Mm-hmm. She's going to lead us right to. <laughs> The person I want to speak to next. One hundo. Yeah. And after that, uh, after she says that, she starts breaking down and they hug. Yes. You got to love a punch into a hug. Yeah. I mean. You do. It is a specific kind of uh, scenario. It's like, okay, she's mad at him and now they're hugging. What's going on here? Like watching WWE on mute. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Um, There's so a then, story here. Um, th- then is it talking to Elliot Gould about his wife? Sure. So we find out Ruth has believed her mother to be dead. Yes. And we find that out that in fact she is not. Uh, Elliot Gould has put his wife in a nunnery a convent yeah yeah it's in how conventional (laughs) and they like go to see her uh so he says a weird thing to poirot like 
you wouldn't believe how beautiful she was. And Rich was watching this with me and he's like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, they're like watching her hair get brushed. It seems that her health, her mental health has taken a turn for the worse. Yes. There's oh. this really interesting turnaround because we see a nun cutting someone's hair and it's assumed that mm. his wife is the person getting hair cut. And then it turns yeah. out, no, she's a sister. Mm. Um, and then Poirot goes over, yeah, Ed, to speak to your point, Melissa, her um, mental health is plummeted in the ground because she's tried to kill herself several times. She has a bunch of scars on her wrist, which is very sad, sad and upsetting. Yeah. But she says she's seen Ruth, and she brought her flowers, and there were actual flowers there. And yeah. and Elliot Gould is just like, ah, what a crock, a nonsense. And Poirot's like, no, no, I believe you. Yeah. And that's basically the scene, I guess. Sorry to yeah. s- step on your time, Melissa, there. No, that's okay. Uh, that is the crux of the scene. So, so yes, uh, we eventually it comes out that um, Mirelle, our, our mysterious woman played by Josette Simon, uh, has been involved with Elliot Gould's character for a significant amount of time. And, like, romantically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that she found out about the wife mm-hmm. and I uh, went to go see what that was all about. Yeah. And his wife was convinced that Muriel was Ruth and she was like, well, I'm not going to deprive her of this. Yeah. Because like, why start an argument? Here? And I love, she says <laughs> at one point. She's colorblind and mad. Yeah, because, oh, we haven't mentioned Muriel yeah. is black. Um, yeah. She is the only person of color in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's very. Yeah. And like the first speaking character of color in quite some time. Of like we've had prominence. some Hispanic um, guest stars. I think this is like our first black speaking role th- in yeah. the series. Yes. It, it's, I would. As far as I know. Yeah, it was like. It is uncommon to a point where I was like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> finally. Oh, fun. No. Fi- no, but finally. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. The the cool thing about this particular uh, episode is that she is not portrayed, you know, in such a way that like we didn't have to start talking about the fact that she was black in the first part of this episode because Mm -hmm. you know she's like a character given as much weight as anybody else in the episode yeah like it's not she mentions it because of course the fact that uh the mom thought that she was her daughter is wild because they look nothing alike and but that's really the only the only time it ever comes up and that line is so so good yeah very funny yeah um so now we have so many different people um, that have motive to have killed Ruth. Yes. We are going to bed at a specific, at a moment. Am I missing anything that we need to say before this? Um, I want to know, there's a scene that I wanted to talk about where um, Catherine is crying. Yes, this is before oh. mm-hmm. the murder, I believe. Catherine is crying and it turns out that her father killed himself when she was quite young. Yeah. 
which is notable for plot reasons. And also, this actress does a very fine job of crying. She is a huge clump of snot just on her lip the whole Mm -hmm. time. And I'm like, what a lovely thing to not be vain at all in that way. And I think it's not a pretty cry. And most cries are not. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. And Poirot says something. It's so sad because he he goes, oh, who is this? Oh, it's my father. He died when I was young. And he goes, well, at least this moment is very, very happy, you know. And she goes, that's what I thought, too. And then he killed himself like three days later. And the reason he killed himself is that he used to work at a mine, um, mm. an oil, an oil collection place, whatever you call that. And he was bought, his company was bought out by Elliot Gould's character. And Elliot Gould's character said, oh, we'll keep all the same staff. Don't worry about it. And then didn't he replaced all of the staff. And then he was like, I can't believe I've let down all these people because, you know, I was double crossed and it's my fault that all these people are out of a job and he couldn't handle it and he killed himself. And that's that. Which also plays into the motive of like why maybe um, Catherine might have done it. And borrows heavily from the plot of the second barbershop movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Famously. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) But um, back to Margaritaville. Yes. In Margaritaville, uh, Lennox and Catherine are roomies. Uh, They've got like adjoining rooms and they're having a chat and... uh, there, Lennox is in a very specific kind of nightgown and good for her is what I have to say. Yeah. Um, and she's like, okay, hold on a second. Let's let some air in. And it's like, oh, that's not a good idea. Never a good idea. Poirot's around. Someone's going to get murdered if you do that. <laughs> Again. Uh, so she opens the window, much is made of her opening this window, which is basically like a giant door. Mm. Um, yeah I think it might be French doors onto like a little veranda or something exactly so veranda hardly know ya yeah okay I thought you were gonna do like veranda rights or something that's where I thought you were going (laughs) it is within your veranda rights to uh, Manuel veranda It's within your veranda rights to come climbing through that open window, I guess, and try to stab Catherine to death, uh, which is what happens. So, And then Lennox jumps on this person's back oh my and goodness. bites them in the neck. It's like Gollum from Two Towers. Beautiful. And she literally is going, no, 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 this whole time. And I'm like, that is very realistic, actually. It is amazing because she just is. jumps to attention because Lennox is portrayed as being very like frivolous and flighty. And then mm. she just is on it when there is mm. an attack because Catherine fortunately wakes no, up. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Catherine... I knew that Lennox was a real one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like very stern and willful as a person, too. And not only that, she has some sort of conversation with her mother where she's like, oh, I actually really like Catherine. I'm yeah. glad that you introduced it. We're, we've become actual friends, not yeah. just money friends. <laughs> yeah. Not just money friends. Yeah. Um, I don't have any money friends. Nope. nope. <laughs> not yet, Melissa. Not yet. I know. There's you're still never time. poor. You're just broke. That's right. So 
Uh, so yeah, Lennox fully bites this person <laughs> in the neck, uh, and the person runs and escapes out the window again. And uh, Poirot comes to see what's gone on, and with we- his cane at the ready, ready to beat the crap out of whomever. And Catherine is under the bed. Yeah, very sad, like a sad nine-year-old. I mean, it's scary. If someone tried yeah. to stab me. Uh, I don't know. But uh, so Poirot uh, asks about what happened. We get the story. Um, we hear about the bite. And uh, Knighton comes in. And as Poirot is exiting the room, Knighton's like, you know, I'll, I'll take care of her. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And Poirot goes over to Knighton's collar and pulls mm-hmm. it back to be like, can't be too careful. Yep. I believe that's the following morning, yes? I think so, yeah. And it should be noted that Knighton seems to have fallen for Catherine. Yeah. You know, he has a big old dumb crush on her. Yeah. He Because at the after the party at the hotel, Knighton has a limp mm. from serving in the war. Yeah. And funnily enough, um, Mrs. Pomegranate, Mrs. What is her name? The mother? Mrs. Palmaid? What is the the mother's name of Lennox? Oh, uh, Lady Tamplin. Okay, I thought it was Pamplin. Lady Tamplin uh, was his attendant during the war and fixed him up real good, he says. But um, Catherine's very sympathetic towards Knight when she finds this out. And yeah. so throughout the whole episode, they have a, they you know grow a fondness for each other. Yes. So Poirot rushes out of the room after checking him out. And where does he go from here? Poirot is alerted somehow. I don't remember who tells him, but like he gets alerted that Mason, Ada Mason, has more information. And he approaches her. She's sobbing, like almost um, inconsolable. And she's like, please, you know, are they going to take me to jail? I just remembered something. Yeah. And then shifts the blame back on Kettering mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Right. She's like, I saw him. I know I know who it was. And it was Derek Kettering. Mm-hmm. And so Poro is like, yeah, but like, no. <laughs> I, I st- no, I don't think this is a thing. And uh, Elliot Gould, who is about all this, is like, what are you talking about? Like, stop dragging, like, prolonging all of this. Like, we don't have time for more interviews. She's telling you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he has a conversation with Catherine again uh and she alludes to you know is it isn't it possible that the person who committed the crime isn't with us like that they somehow like dropped off somewhere in the night oh yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then poirot was like aha yes and then he goes back to the train um and he's just pacing back and forth outside on the platform right and he like goes up to the train check something walks back out, starts pacing again, checks something else, and is like, aha! And then he has um, someone on the platform. I thought it was just uh, someone who worked for the train company. Yes. Like, like, he sends them on an errand. Yeah. And I'm just like, you don't have the authority to do that. Uh, <laughs> but he does it. <laughs> yeah. I assume, like, he had met with the conductor and be like, I'm conducting an investigation. You and I are both conductors in a way, so we have a bond, and so lend me one of your men. You know, 
I assume. What is he, a pickle? And this is a light bulb? <laughs> That's the thing that they do in science classes, right? Like, is it, or is it a pickle or a potato? It's a potato. It's a, it's a potato. <laughs> I want to light a light bulb with a pickle, though. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will if you know what I mean. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest frown I've ever seen from Melissa just occurred. Um, but yeah, he sends this, this man off with a letter. To Margaritaville. To Margaritaville saying, everybody show up to the drink. And this is a good time for an ad break. Oh, Sounds good. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Amateur Detector Club. Go ahead and go to audibletrial.com slash adcipod if you want a free book. Um, we're also on the Scavengers Network. You can go to scavengersnetwork.com, and they have a bunch of great podcasts and live streams there. Check out all of their great content. Support, you know, small businesses and small podcast networks when you can. Um we also have merchandise. Go to teespring.com slash the mill with hyphens in between the and mill. Just the one and hyphen. Yes. <laughs> Put me in my place. <laughs> um, and you can check out all the merch there. Um, I also have a personal plug. Um, I've started a weekly comedy show in Woodside, Queens. So if you're in the New York area every Friday night at 7 p.m., I'm doing a weekly show at the B Cafe, and most of, if not all of the comedians we have on are fully vaccinated or at some point, so we're doing it as safely as possible. There's a max capacity of 20, and it's on an outside patio, so we're doing it as safely and smartly as we possibly can, and it, we are two in, and it's been super fun, and we have some great comedians coming up, um, like Anya Volse and Mike Kaplan are on the 23rd of April if you're listening to this as it is going live on uh, Monday. So, yeah, please come visit me. Say hello um, at a safe distance and hopefully laugh at my jokes as well. That is all I have to say, passing it off to whomever wants to speak next. I think this is generally when I speak. And you can find us on the social media at ADC Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Join our Facebook group. Please answer the questions or we'll think you're a bot. Um, or a creep. Or a creep. Uh, also, just a quick note that we are not uh, an actual investigation organization. Um, we can't help oh. you solve a real crime. I'm so sorry. Um, not yet. No, we are not there yet. Um, and in fact, this one's really just for the podcast. So even if at some point we do get good at solving crimes, uh, that's not the venue. We're just talking no. about the pod on uh, on the Facebook group. So join that up. And uh, I have a personal plug too. Why not? Let's do this. Uh, on the 23rd of April, competing with Tristan's show, I will be Ooh. I will be live on Zoom doing a musical, a new musical called Grocery the Musical. It's not the one you're thinking of from the TikTok. It's a different one. Um, but it is super fun. And I play Aubergine Macintosh, the produce person. Oh, like an apple. Exactly like an apple. Yes. And my yeah, last name. Macintosh 
Good. My last name in real life means mm. apple trees. So appropriate typecasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, Apple products are Macintosh computers, and I will still refer to them as, I'll be like, I'm sorry, I'm doing some work on my Macintosh, and people are like, what are you talking about? Yeah, they dropped that a while ago, didn't they? Yeah, I, but I still like, yeah, it's a Macintosh computer, that's how it is. Everyone's like, what? Um, also, we have an email, if oh, you yeah. want to email us at amateurdetectiveclub at gmail.com. Yeah. I finally installed it on my phone. I logged in on my phone, so I'll actually read it Ooh. as opposed to not reading it ever. <laughs> yes, someone will actually be monitoring it now, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> which is what you want in an email address. Yeah, generally. Uh, generally. Oh, yes. He, Tyler, for those uh, of you listening at home, <laughs> Tyler did a salute. Yeah. So... If you're like me, mm. and most of you, I imagine, are, <laughs> you're wondering, what what can I do? How can I be of service to the artists that provide joy and or recaps of murder mystery media? <laughs> and that's quite simply money. <laughs> so <laughs> head on over to patreon.com slash ADCpod oh. today. You can subscribe to a membership level that best fits your needs for as little as a dollar a month to as much as you're willing to give. Visit patreon.com slash ADCpod. At our, even our lowest level, you'll receive access to bonus episodes and content, plus access to our Discord channel. Once again, that is patreon.com slash ADCpod. And I'll say this as well. I should get. I need to get better at updating that. It's been a while since we've had like extra clips, and so I'm gonna try and do that over this next week, maybe or the following, because it's just been a minute. That's it, you know. Also, join our Facebook group. Let us know what you would like in a Patreon benefit. That would be great. Or yeah, email. Yeah, please tell. Just tell us what you want. What you really, really want. Is it elbow and knee picks? <laughs> Is it Because head over stuff? to OnlyFans.com <laughs> slash It's Tyler Rose. <laughs> uh, uh, Tyler, do you have something to plug? Personally? Uh, I mean, I do and did, but I don't know when anything airs anymore. This I'm will in be like this five next different Monday. shows, so I don't Are know you, what's happening. Yeah, uh, Tyler's keeping quite busy, so go follow him yeah. at It's Tyler Riley. Uh, and keep up with all of that good stuff uh, and read his article that he wrote for TDF. Mm-hmm. It's great. Thank you so much. Yeah. About going back to the theater. Yeah. Yes. Uh, visit TDF Stages. That's the online magazine for TDF.org. There you go. Back to the show. So we're in the train and Poirot tells us who did it. Um, uh, he, goes he goes through everybody. Yeah, boy, does he. He really does. And I love <laughs> during this scene, there are a couple of times where people are just like, can you get on with it? Yeah. Or like, uh, can you please just skip Derek me? Just- <laughs> At one point just goes, shut up. We all know it was me. And, and Poirot's like, it's not. Why are you doing that? No, <laughs> yeah. like, there's somebody else that like pipes in and was like, you weren't even on the train. 
There but, is um, one thing that they do mention. Or like, oh, he's in jail. Oh, uh, yeah. So he couldn't have, like, attacked Catherine. Right, yes. So everyone's like, shut up. And, like, let him tell us, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Melissa, you were saying. Yeah, at one point, uh, it is remarked because, of course, our... I keep forgetting her name. I'm terrible. Uh, Mirel is her character's mm. name. Mirel uh, has... When she came on to Derek, which, we, you know, she was hired by... Not hired, but, like, Elliot Gould was like, hey, can you go hit on my son-in-law? <laughs> And see if so they can get a divorce. Yeah. Um, and uh, she mentions uh, that he hadn't been counting on the fact that Derek actually loved his wife. Yeah. Which is, it turns out, was the real reason that he didn't want to let go of her because he actually mm-hmm. loved her. So there's Ew. that. Ew. Ew, love. Gross. Yeah. yeah. Honestly. So everyone's got all these motives. Yeah. It um, seems. What's his name? Uh, Corky found the jewel outside on the train platform because it was thrown out of the train. And then upon further examination, it's a fake. Yeah. Which reminded me of the great Ardman picture, Flushed Away. Highly recommend you just go watch that. It's like an hour and a half. And it's if, a, it's a, if anyone is playing the game of uh, the drinking game that happens only once, uh, <laughs> once every... <laughs> Every once in a while, Tristan will mention it's a really like it's it's a long game in terms of a drinking game. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to take one shot occasionally, every uh, three months, every three months, Tristan will mention Flushed Away. It's a great movie. It's my <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time. Yes. It's very fun and pure and positive. I love it. It's the only um, Ardman picture that hasn't been done with claymation. They did it CGI because the water in would ruin the clay. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. Anyway, um, so that's a fake. And then obviously Derek has motive of getting money. And then um, LaRoche has reve- like revenge. Yeah. Elliot Gould could be insane and kill his own daughter. No, but like didn't want his daughter to know about her mother yes, being still and alive yeah. and lying to and her. The embarrassment that she was bringing to the family by being married to this dumb mm-hmm. dumb. Yeah, and I'll say this: she had fi- Ruth had figured out about her mother. Yeah, and that's why she went. That was the whole point of the trip. Yeah. Um. So there's that. Um. And we go through one by one. Yeah. Everybody. And we talk about everybody. Obviously, the cousins could have wanted her money. And they're they're, they're so true to their characters. They're like, no, we just wanted to invite her over and then maybe ask her for a check. We're not like that. And and then promptly everyone's like, oh, yeah. She's like, this seems fine. You guys are okay. Um, She's like, I hope this isn't going to affect our, like, relationship. But, like... We still want you to come over from time to time. And then Paul yeah. was like, get it together. We are trying <laughs> to talk about him. <laughs> um, because he supposes that his toes were roses. He supposes that um, since they switch compartments, it's very well that Catherine could have been the intended uh, target. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, in fact, it wasn't that. So we learn that Asa Mason the maid Ada Ada Mason the maid um has really had it out for Ruth it's like don't like her and uh 
really don't want to deal with her anymore and also would like some of her money. So they do stage, I believe it's a staged, oh no, they, uh, Asa and her accomplice, because we find out she has an accomplice, uh, they fully have staged the, the robbery so that they had a fake to like be a decoy and then uh, they have the real one. They have taken the real jewel. So that's all tied up. But she and her accomplice are having a passionate affair and they are really getting off on, yeah, really getting off on uh, murdering uh, Ruth and making a whole big show of it. So. And we, the amateur detective club, would like you to know that our horny for murder shirts are still available (laughs) on Teespring. (laughs) Yes, these characters would certainly uh, be appropriate in those shirts. So yeah. we see that uh, Ada has a bite mark on her collar. So she was the one who attacked Catherine mm-hmm. to try and throw suspicion off. Um, and we find out that her accomplice and her lover was Knighton all along. So they had been working together. They they planned this whole thing out. Um, we have a whole big chase where Knighton has... Uh, is holding uh, maybe a razor blade to Catherine's mm-hmm. throat, but we don't see it. And if you recall, Knighton was the only pe- person who could give an alibi to Ada. Right. Seeing her at the hotel. Yes. So exactly. they were in cahoots. So he has this thing to her throat, and it, you cannot see what it is. Oh. And uh, we're t- uh, my, my boyfriend and our friend who is over at our cabin right now, we're looking at it like, did they just not have a prop? Like... <laughs> What's going on? Are they like just fully? Is it just his hand at her neck? Um, so eventually he is thwarted by Poirot, uh, the action star. Just kidding. Um, because also, um, Ada, <laughs> Ada also runs after him, you know, Mr. Plainview, Mr. Plainview. She runs after him, and then there's a moment where the police and Poirot and everybody are like in the small hallway, and she just turns to, to Knight and says, Run, and then she runs into the crowd and distracts them, and then Poirot manages to sneak past. Yeah. Um, we finally, it's finally revealed that the actual real Ruby is the weapon that he has, the very sharp ruby, uh, up to her throat. Um, And he jumps off the train, and... uh, They literally run a train on this man, (laughs) as the episode concludes. Yep. Yeah, um, I'll say this as well. The jewel thief that occurred in Margaritaville was also Knighton. He does not have a limp. He was a, he swindled Lady <coughs> Margaritaville, and so he's just back at it again. Yeah, Looney Tunes back in action. You what know, a brilliant character actor. Yeah, is mm-hmm. great. Yes, really good stuff. Yeah, could have had a career in the theater <laughs> if he didn't just love his precious jewels so so much. Yeah. Yeah. My diamonds. What a shame. <laughs> Um, and then it concludes with Poirot and Catherine watching the Margaritaville people splashing around on a beach. And Catherine says, well, I'm actually going to keep traveling. 
And he goes, oh, do you want me to go with you? And he's like, no. But she's going to go on the Orient Express. And she's like, you've never been, have you? And he's like, no, but I must. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. And then it goes and it zooms back into the waves. And we begin where we started with the credit sequence. Mm-hmm. So what would you guys think? And- and we have no idea who beat the face in of that other person in, during the cold open. We still don't know. Tweet at us. Is it the original jewel robbery? Maybe it's Knighton? Maybe that's it. Quite possibly. Perhaps. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I liked this episode quite well while I was watching it. Um, yeah, I don't remember how good of an adaptation it is from the book because I don't remember the book very well. Um, I thought I'd figured it out and then I didn't think I'd figured it out and then I was like oh no that makes sense and also am I remembering the book um mm-hmm. but it's since I'd read the book before the fact that they successfully cast suspicion on other people was a, I think a testament to how good the episode is all the acting in this episode is phenomenal I think it's all very yeah. very good and the cinematography is good. And the way the train sequences are shot, it's all very handheld tight quarters. You can tell they're in an actual train. And it's very nice. Um, nicely accomplished. I would say probably like an 8.5 or 9. Like a very serviceable episode of Poirot. Above and beyond, you know, some of the clunkers we've seen. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily like want someone to start with this episode because it's not like iconic in, in particular way but it's a very solid on all fronts there's no like issues I have with it if that makes sense yeah uh, for me oh, we're doing it out of 10 yeah because yes. it's a film yeah oh right um, uh, yeah I, I'd say a 7 uh, out of 10 um, the only things I would take off for were just Small things that just didn't make sense or were unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to give it an eight. A lot of the same review Tristan gave it. I mean, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. The one thing I'll add is that I remember us really having a hard time with the book. Yeah. And it was so much exposition. And, like, we got a lot of time with the cousins that, like, we got in in the adaptation got real wrapped up in like scene one and that was it it's like oh i get it but like we went on i believe in the book for just chapters about it and it was really quite a lot so we uh yeah uh i i liked it quite a lot yeah i funnily enough i think this is the one the that justin mcelroy said you should start with funnily on the show or the book on the book. Oh. Yeah, because it, it is a nice emblematic how Poirot goes. Sure. Like, you have a bunch of stuff at the beginning where you, if you're mm. paying attention, you can solve it yourself. And then the thing happens. Gotcha. Um, That's fair. Yeah. But all right. So an average of eight. Yeah. Certainly Super. a good episode. Yeah. Very strong season opener. And next week on Amateur Detective Club, we're watching... The second episode of season 10. I was calculating it out. We only have like, if we keep up the pace we're at, we only have about three more months of Poirot. Wow. Okay. We have have four more seasons. We have 10 through 13. And they're all four. We'll probably like break it up. Like after season 10, we'll do another thing. And maybe that's like a limited series. Yeah. Break it up so we can spend more time with Poirot overall. Yeah. Yeah. But perhaps. Certainly we're going to be done with him by the summer, I would imagine. 
No, we can stretch it uh, out. Well, I'm saying we should, <laughs> <laughs> we should get done with it. Um, but yeah, I don't know uh, if we'll ever be fully done with Poirot. Oh, no. We'll yeah. just start reviewing the books again. Um, ugh, what a chore. Um, <laughs> no, a delightful we will happily chore, do it. But a chore nonetheless. It's a Next, lot of work. Schedules permitting. Yes. <laughs> yes. Next week, we are reviewing season 10, episode 2, Cards on the Table. Ooh, we talked about the book. We did. to see with, if it'll... With Travis. Yeah, with Travis McElroy. Go back and down to the bottom of the feed if you want to go check out that cool episode from Amateur Detective Club. I'm Casey Kasem. Um, okay. Here's the little plot summary. The enigmatic, sinister Mr. Shaitana, one of London's richest men, invites eight guests, four of them possible murderers, and four detectives to his opulent apartment. I liked this book a lot, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, I want to know who plays... Mr. Shaitana? Yeah, I'm going to look it up right now. Oh, Alexander Shiddick. <gasps> who is that? Bashir, Dr. Bashir, Dr. Bashir. Oh, really? Yes. That's great. Oh, my God, I can't wait. Oh, that should be fun. The Bashir luck of it all. <laughs> okay. Yay. Oh, my God, I'm going to love you this. You got so excited. Watch, you're going to give it a two. I know, right? Like, <laughs> uh, talk about how what a big crush I have on Alexander Siddick. Mm. With that, I now call this meeting of the Amatoy Detective Club to a close. Gavel sound. Woohoo! I don't know. <laughs> The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.